Reader's Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. It's Monday. Can you believe it's the last Monday of January in 2020? How can that be? The month has flown by. Anyway, I'm Lisa Kessler. I'm your host. Thanks so much for listening. And I'm so excited you're here today because today we have New York Times best-selling author Katie Robert, who I love. And she and I actually both got our start at the same publisher. And so I've just, I've always admired her trajectory and how she's going with all her books. And, and it, now she's got a Wicked Villains series with Disney villains doing very naughty things. And so, of course, being a Disney fanatic, that's right up my alley. So I'm so excited she agreed to come on today. And if you have not read Katie yet, you are in for a treat. And I'll read her bio here so you can get to know her a little. Katie Robert is a New York Times and USA Today best-selling author of contemporary romance and romantic suspense. Entertainment Weekly calls her writing unspeakably hot. Her books have sold over a million copies. She lives in the Pacific Northwest with her husband, children, a cat who thinks he's a dog, and two Great Danes who think they're lap puppies. <laughs> you can find out more at her website, and I did put a link to her website right there on the Blog Talk site. So if you are listening live right now, you can click right there and see what she's up to. When you see her writing schedule and the books that are coming, oh, my gosh, she's very busy. So without any further ado, are you there, Katie? I am. I am. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. I'm excited. And you're a West Coaster like me, right? Yes, yes. I'm up in uh, Washington State. Is it cold there right now? Not as cold as it should be. It's it's. We have snow on the ground, but it's raining. It's very confused weather right now. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't know what to do. Yes, exactly. It's... Uh, it's been a very strange winter so far. <laughs> well, I'm super excited because I've been watching the tweets about Learn My Lesson. That's coming out very soon, right, with Hook and Tinkerbell? Uh, yes. Uh, Hook and Tinkerbell um, is a uh, – gosh, wow. I know the titles of my own books, I promise. Um, it's A Worthy Opponent is the one that will be out very, very soon. Oh, okay. I have them backwards. A worthy opponent is hook and tink, and learn my lesson yes. is the one that's already out, right? Yes, yes, that's correct. That one's Jasmine, right? No. Uh, learn my lesson I am is so Katie's. Mixed up. <laughs> it's totally okay. Um, Katie's and Meg. Is... Yes, yes, and Desperate Measures is Jasmine and Jafar. There we go. Okay, so they can read. Um, learn my lesson right now, right? Yes. The first two books are out and available across all platforms. And can you tell people who haven't heard about them or seen the tweets, can you tell them about the books? Why should they go grab them right now? Um, so like many people out there, I feel, um, I, as a child and beyond, had a lot of complicated feelings about villains in fairy tales and like the Disney movies and all those stories we grow up with. And when the, um, the live action movies started coming out and the villains are all unspeakably hot, um, it kind of inspired <laughs> me to sort of 
go back to the original fairy tales and stories and kind of put my own spin on it on if the villains were the ones who won, basically. So instead of Aladdin and Jafar and Jasmine, it starts with a coup where Jafar is taking over. And, um, and so it just kind of plays out like what in a contemporary setting, there's no magic, um, how I feel the stories would go, I don't know, like with the villains being the mains and getting there happily ever after. I love it. Yeah, I have, a, I have a thing for villains in all shapes and sizes. So this this was right up my alley with uh, the series is definitely me writing um, my id. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have always been all that, all about the villains because really they drive the train, especially in fairy tales, because the hero and heroine in fairy tales rarely have, you know, they always have something in common, all this kind of stuff, but the villain is like driving the train of the of the plot and the story, and so I've always been, they're always smarter, you know, and so I'm I'm really excited to see that your your take on the villains getting their happily ever after. Yeah, I um I've seen, I don't know if it's a play or a story where there's like the Prince Charmings just sort of are completely interchangeable to the point where they actually change places, and that's kind of how I feel about Prince Charming in general is that he's a very one note character in all these fairy tales. And like you said, the villains are much more complicated and, and have much more personality. And so it was really fun to take that and, like, run with it. And do you give your villains in, in your world, do you give them a, a backstory? Because often we never get the backstory. They just want to be the fairest of them all. I mean, what do you give them a reason why they're like that? Yes, I... I mean, Jafar is, is is Jafar. I feel like he's just, you know, he loves power and that's what he's chasing down. Um, with Hades specifically, there's a lot going on there to that got him to the place where he is at the beginning of the book and how the book um, plays out. And it's kind of the same with Hook. Like, Hook has reasons for being the way he is. And, I mean, I think Hook is the most sympathetic of, well, heroes in general, villains in general. I mean, he's, I, I, who can watch Peter Pan and not feel a little bad for Captain Hook? Like, he's stuck on this right, island with right. all these kids. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> so, yeah, they, they definitely are, have their own histories and, like, motivations. And and, um, and I, I was inspired by the original character types, but I definitely div- diverted from the original content to quite a degree. And for for Hook, I have to ask, was it in your head, was it the Hook from Once Upon a Time? Um, I actually, my Hook is like, um, I, there's a, oh, geez, I'm going to forget his name. I happened to cron- across this model on Instagram, and he's, mm-hmm. I think, like, Swedish and Indian, maybe? I, I. I cannot quite remember, but he's just got this beautiful head of dark hair and he's just gorgeous. And I'm, and kind of looks like a roguish pirate. And he, so he's kind of was the jumping off point for me for hook. Uh, I, I mean, I guess character wise, he's probably closer to like the once upon a time hook, but 
He's a mm-hmm. lot more. But looks wise, he looks like that other yes. guy for you. Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because that's my other guilty pleasure is, oh, my God, I have Hook, Hook from Once Upon a Time. Oh. That was my guy. <laughs> oh, and, and he, there, I think there's an episode where him and Tinkerbell have, like, a whole, like, a lot of screen time together. And actually, you know who I wanted them to run with with him was The Little Mermaid, Ariel. Because there's that episode yes. where she's like innocent and he's so jaded and I'm like, oh, this would work so well, um, but they mm-hmm. didn't, and I was disappointed. <laughs> no, 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 he was with the savior the whole time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, I know a lot of people have read all your hot contemporaries and all that, but you actually also write sci-fi, right? Do you still? Um, I- did I the books are no longer in print because um, it was an unfinished series and it just was oh, one okay. of those series that uh, just never quite found its audience and so when I got rights back I took it down because there is some stuff in there that I mean I'll be perfectly honest did not age particularly well in the last like seven or eight years so uh, gotcha. I, yeah I, I may rewrite and put them up at some point but it's very, very, very far down on the priority list at this point. Um, so they're, yeah. I did start with sci-fi, but they're no longer in print. Okay. Uh, do you ever envision writing more? I mean, was that your first love? Um, I actually, I on my bucket list right now is actually paranormal. Um, or fantasy. Like, I, <laughs> I haven't quite decided where to land on that, but I really want to write Swan Shifters. Which sounds super bonkers, but um, swans are scary, and I feel like I know that swan shifter books exist, but I have not found any that quite match my vision of what they would look like, and mm-hmm. so I really want to write swan shifters <laughs> um, someday. <laughs> someday I will. <laughs> You know, my dad brought home a goose one time, and that was the most oh, terrifying animal I ever. <laughs> It was a horrible, horrible pet. Oh, my gosh. They're so frightening. They're very strong, and they're very mean, and they're super territorial. And just, you know, I I feel like the big birds don't get enough credit as being, like, predators. Um, So, yeah, that's that's, (laughs) that's been my obsession lately. And they make – they're almost like some hybrid – scary thing out of a nightmare because this goose would, I mean, they like have a snake neck and they hiss and he would Mm -hmm. wave his neck around like, ah, I can't go outside of the house. It was awful. (laughs) Well, they'll chase you too. They're not, they, yeah. They do. There's there's a reason that, I mean, there's certain breeds of birds that I'm like, oh, I could see the dinosaur like element in here. Like I am not messing with you. Right. I think you would write a ferocious swan shifter. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. I I just, you know, they're super beautiful and super extra and super scary. And I think it would be a really fun dynamic to write. Um, so that's on my list sometime. Sometime in the next couple oh. of years, I'm going to do it for sure. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Be sure that I, I can want to, I want to read it. <laughs> I'll, I'll cover sure. quote it for you. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I can't wait. Okay, back on track. Um, so, um, 
I know a lot of people um, always like to know when they meet a new writer, you know, what was your writing journey like? Where Did you always want to be a writer? Did you wake up one day and go, hey, there's a character in my head? How did it all come together for you? Um, I, I would say I'd always wanted to be a writer. I have, like, I wrote a lot through, like, junior high and high school um, and then kind of stopped for a while because life got in the way. <laughs> And mm-hmm. when I was in my early 20s, I was married to my now ex-husband with two small children, living in Germany, off base, did not speak the language at all. And so I started writing and kind of found a community like of, with, the, with other writers that kind of saved my sanity a bit at that point in time. And um, it took quite a few years. I'm like, six or eight manuscripts before I actually sold the book that published me for the first time. Um, and then, then it's from there, it's sort of history. I, I had, I had sold my science fiction romance initially, but the book of mine that like, Oh gosh, sorry. My dogs are fighting in the background. Um, That's okay. <laughs> um, the book of mine that really kind of took off and like started my career, like in truth, was a contemporary romance, which I just sort of found my niche there. Like I, I, I like would like to branch out at some point soonish, but I really enjoy writing the complexities like in a contemporary world. Um, it's just it's a lot of fun for me. So that, but yeah, I started writing a long time ago. A YA was actually my original first love, um, but I oh. never quite made it to sell there, and. Um, I have tensions on going back. I will go back. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I just – it happened to be romance that sold for the first time. And so that's sort of what I fell in with. And, and I really, really enjoy it. And it was uh, Wrong Bed, Right Guy, right, was your first – your big hit, right? Yes, yes. I um, I – my editor at the time had – it was right after Fifty Shades started doing really well. And she asked me if I would like to write for a living, which of course, yes. Like who says no? And so, um, (laughs) and so she, they were launching a new imprint within that publisher. And she said she wanted a wrong bed book that has no cheating because a lot of them from back in the day had uh, infidelity. And so I wrote one in like two weeks. It was super crazy. And it just so (laughs) happened that it lined up with the imprint launch and so they used my book in the launch and so we rode that 50 shades wave and it did really really well as a result it was really great timing and a book that I you know really love and it worked out really well oh that I love that story and and sometimes I I talk to a lot of people about um like I had Jennifer Probst on and we were talking about, you know, what, what makes one book skyrocket. And a lot of it is, is, you know, the timing and, and luck and the planets aligning. And I'm so happy that happened for you. That's so exciting. Yeah. I, I, I think that it would be inaccurate to say that luck has no part of success. Um, I mean, you have to put in the work to show up for the luck to hit, but the timing of that exactly. was completely outside everybody's control. Right. 
Yeah, and and I I was at a conference once, and one of the editors was saying, if we knew what makes a book take off, we would make every book take off. It just sometimes it just yes. does, and and, the, and if you're there when the lightning strikes, woohoo! <laughs> yep, that's exactly it, and I feel like it's yeah, they just you never quite know what will resonate with readers and get that you know that word of mouth, which is worth its weight in gold. And I mean, publisher support, of course, helps a ton. But, um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, it has to be organic on some level. Otherwise, it won't just carry through. Right. Yeah, you really have no control over it. I, As a writer, when I finish a book, and I finish editing it, and by then, I hope I'm distanced enough from it that I hate the book and I'm just it's <laughs> whatever but every <laughs> once in a while there's a book that even though you've gone through and edited three times and and you've read it a million times you still love that book and it goes out into the world and you have no control over what's going to happen to it and it's nerve-wracking and and I don't think that ever goes away and it's such a bizarre industry that we're in because we don't have any control over you know you might think your best book and it's one that nobody reads. So it's so weird. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I, I laugh because it is this, this series or this industry is insane. Like it, you know, you put in all this time, you have no guarantee that it'll find the readers that it's meant to find. Um, or that I, uh, it's just, it, it's, I try to make my peace with my book as I release, it's no longer my book because now it's open to interpretation and like every reader brings their personal experience to it and, and timing. And I mean, there's just trying to like, to get a certain outcome is a recipe for just beating your head against the wall. Cause like you said, we have absolutely no control in the grand scheme of things. So I just, uh, I, I've, I try to carve out, like my little section of the industry that like, you know, I write a very specific kind of book these days and the people that like it super like it. And the people that dislike it really dislike it. And and it's kind of, <laughs> but I'd rather it, it be there than everybody be like, Oh, it's okay. Um, I feel like right. if, if it's inciting strong emotions, then I'm doing something right. Even if it's inciting negative, strong emotions. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Severe hate, loads. <laughs> yes. uh, so who was the first author to encourage you? Like you were writing these books and you found your community, but did you have an author you looked up to that you sent an email and they and they encouraged you to keep going? I mean, that's always huge. Um, did you have somebody, a mentor kind of thing, who, who encouraged you to keep going? Um. Not necessarily, but I would say that one, like, I think key moment in my journey, like pre-publication was, oh man, I think it was Dakota Gray, Dakota Cassidy. Oh geez. I, um, it was an author who wrote yeah. fantasy back in, um, like mid to late two thousands. I'm not sure what they're doing now, but they had put up a, um, like a, a blog post that was pairing up, helping people find beta readers. And, um, and so I had posted like a comment in there and I ended up finding 
three beta readers that two of them I'm still in contact with today. Um, so, but those three women were like a huge part of like encouraging me and keeping me going and, you know, helping me become a better writer before I ever sold a book. And, uh, I love a three, that. and two out of three of them are published now too. So it's really cool to see. Oh my gosh. That is super cool. And do you still, do you still use beta readers? You have like a million books out. Do you still have beta readers who read for you? Um, I have a couple, two or three people that I send my books to early. Um, I specifically with the Wicked Villains because it does handle BDSM and some of the BDSM is a little intense. Um, I have a friend who used to be a dominatrix actually. So um, she reads my stuff before it's published just to ensure that there's nothing that I don't like misstep anywhere in there. Um, and she's right. really helpful for, for questions on like this person's tied up and they use their safe word. How do I get them out of this in a way that like is the most, timely manner in like how would this work <laughs> so that is super helpful but I, I I usually my timeline's pretty tight so I don't have a ton of beta readers at this point right and I was looking when I was poking around your website and you have a million series of books and you, how many books do you have out now um I I'm either right at 50 or right close to 50. Um, That's amazing. I, I know I'm close. I, yeah, I, there was a couple years there where it was just, I wrote a lot of category romance in a very short period of time. Um, and, and thankfully it paved the way for me to do this for a living. So I don't have to balance writing with a day job. So I'm able to have a slightly higher output as a result. So that makes it easier right. to have you know, quite a few releases. <laughs> right, right. That's. Do you have like a special system to keep yourself on track? Do you just use Excel spreadsheets, or or how do you keep yourself going? Um, I have spreadsheets, and I have, I have found that I do really well with um, with like strategizing my schedule out. And then I book my editors pretty early on, so that keeps me accountable as well. But I've been doing this long enough that I have a really good system for, like, I write in the morning, and I can usually get my word count in before noon, and then I save my admin stuff for the afternoon when I'm less, like, coherent. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so I just have, I have a really good system, and I write most every day just because that works for me. And, uh, yeah, I just, I just, I mean... I could say I wrote 600,000 words last year, which is a ridiculous amount, but it really averages out to like not even 2,000 words a day. So it's just, you know, the little drops <laughs> fills the bucket. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. And when you are um, busy writing, I always, people are always curious, do you know what you're going to write ahead of time or are you a pantser? Do you just sit at the computer and go, what's going to happen next? Um, I usually have some idea of like the major turning points in my book before I go in. And I also do a bit of a little bit of character work beforehand, just so like, what's their history? Um, what is their astrology, um, astrology sign? Cause that kind of helps 
form the character and like how do they react to anger or sadness or criticism. And so having that mm-hmm. framework helps me kind of, my characters end up pretty fleshed out as a result. So I have to do less rewriting as a result. Um, but I definitely don't plot intensely because every time I try, I throw out my synopsis like 60 to 70% of the way through and just rewrite something completely different at the end. <laughs> right. <I> stop trying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't, I can't plot either because then it turns into a term paper. Apparently for me, part of what makes me get to the keyboard is that I want to know what's going to happen next. If I already know, it becomes, you know, homework assignment. I don't know. My brain, I just can't. If I know too much, I lose all my impulsion to move forward. That See, that makes sense to me. I took um, a class last year with Becca Syme. Uh It's the Write Better Faster class. And she has a really amazing way of looking at it in that we all have different strengths and different, like, well, strengths, essentially. And so every because of your unique combination of strengths, what works for some people won't work for you. And so realizing that a synopsis actually constrains me and I it prevents me from thinking strategically and figuring out a better way forward. And so... It's been so freeing to be like, I don't have to do this anymore. Like, I don't even have to feel guilty. Right. Because, yeah. (laughs) Well, and there's so many books out there about how to plot and how to outline and goal motivation conflict and all this stuff. And after a while, you start feeling like, man, I'm doing this wrong. But this is the only way I can do it. So it's nice to to let go of that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. When I'm a big fan of or I have the I, the last year has been a year of journey for me, but um, just like leaning into the things that I am strong with and I'm passionate about and just not trying to do it quote unquote right um, because what's right for one person isn't right for me. And so figuring out what's right for me and then just doing that and not, not getting distracted by all the other options. <laughs> right. And and I know, for me, I, I've never thought of doing my character's horoscope, but I always pull cards for them, past, present, and future, mm-hmm. like tarot cards. It, it just helps me get a grip on where they may have been in the past and what's happening when my book opens and then where we might be at the end. And they always seem to be right it makes it makes things go and and I love hearing little things like that from other writers to you know because everybody's so different and it's it's a great way to um you know I've never thought about horoscopes but maybe I'll give that a try I think that's cool (laughs) Uh, yeah I do I do horoscopes and Harry Potter houses which is weird I guess but the combination of the two really helps inform a lot of the little nitty-gritty personality things and just it and and even if it's not a conscious like oh they're a Gryffindor so they'll do this it's more of like it's just in the back of my head and so my subconscious does the work for me (laughs) (laughs) I love that so which, which house is Hook in Hook is um ooh, let's see what is it Hook's a Gryffindor and Tink is Slytherin Oh, um, see, I would have thought it would be flip-flop. I like that. Yeah, he's just got that extra personality and, like, definitely a charge in ahead of time and not think too hard about it <laughs> until after the fact. Um, <laughs> and she's very much 
the ambitious overthinker, um, you know, and she's not always able to make decisions without emotions, but she definitely tries. <laughs> yeah, and and think of all of the um, Peter Pan characters. She's like, you know, the most moody. She's always the one that's angry or super angry or super happy or, you know, she's probably the, the bipolar fairy tale person, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's she's definitely got an attitude, and I, I definitely – um, was inspired by that in a big way just because she's one of the few like non-villain lady characters that is not everything that's good and kind and sweet like she's kind of a jerk most of that like her, the, her story and so being able to write that in a way that she doesn't make her less a jerk but a little more understandable was really fun for me. Yeah, and I think that she is one of the more complicated characters in a fairy tale because she's both good and bad. You know, she makes that choice where she's, you know, doing something for herself yes. instead of for her friend. And I think that's more realistic, you know, to humans. We're never all perfect. We we always make a mistake that we wish we could take back, you know? Yes, exactly. And and. As, like, growing up and watching that movie, I never felt much of a kinship with Wendy. Um, but I definitely did right. Tinkerbell, so. <laughs> so that, um, that definitely, like, obviously informed some of my decisions with, like, casting and whatnot for this uh, this book. Well, I can't believe we're running out of time. I'm super bummed. But um, <laughs> do you have <laughs> do you have giveaways going, or do you have a newsletter you want people to sign up for? Where should they get in touch with you? Yes, I do have a newsletter. Um, the sign up is on my website, and if you sign up, you get a whole boatload of bonus content for free. It's all um, automated, and so as soon as you sign up, you get an email with like a bunch of bonus content from several of my series that are out right now. Yay. Well, thanks so much for being on and good luck with the new book. I can't wait to read it. Oh, thank you. I'm thank you again so much for having me. Thanks for joining us on book lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.